The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Psalm 119, if it had a theme, would be the Word of God. It is a psalm, it's the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. Interestingly enough, depending on how your, how your Bible is divided up, uh, you may see this or you may not, but in mine, uh, at the top of several different, there'll be, there are several different sections, it's divided up that way, seven or eight or nine verses each. And uh, for instance, at the very beginning of the psalm, in verse 1, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And just above that is the Hebrew, word, uh, Hebrew letter Aleph, which is the first letter in the Hebrew al- alphabet. Just above verse 9 is the Hebrew letter Bet, which is, just, is the second letter. It corresponds to our letter B. And then it goes on from there, Gimel, Dalit, Hey, Vow. Zion and others, all the way down to the last, um, the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which is the letter, uh, the letter Tau. And uh, and what that does for us is really nothing, <laughs> but it is interesting that it, what this what this psalm is in the original Hebrew is a little progressive psalm, and each section begins with that. So the, it, the verse, verse 1 begins, the, the, the word there begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. Verse 9 begins with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Bet. And all the way down to the very end where the last section begins with the last letter, uh, that's verse 169, begins with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Tau. And, and the point is, it's a, it's a, it's a poem. It's a, it's a poetic uh, writing, if you will. Uh, and it's, it would have been easily memorized and easily learned and, and often repeated in the uh, Old Testament worship. And the theme of this longest chapter uh, in, the, in the Bible is the Word of God. Throughout this chapter you'll see all kinds of statements that are elevating the law it'll 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 use the term law it may use the term precepts it talks about um, uh, thy word very often and and but every time it's elevating the written word of god and perhaps the most elevated it gets is found in verses 127 and 128 of Psalm 119, which is where I want us to take our text tonight. And this is what it says. It says in verses 127 and 128, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. So the writer here has an elevated sense of the value of the word of God. The value of the Word of God to him is greater than the material blessings, the material things he might, uh, he might go out and make in his commerce. He, he could be a, he could, his, his job could be as a miner of fine metals. And he could be out drilling, drilling mines or digging mines and he could find the most precious metals out there and yet this writer would love those precious metals less than he loved the word of God. I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. And now look at verse 128. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. What I want to preach to you about tonight, if if we can get there, is the priority of the Word of God. The priority of the Word of God. This This writer who is inspired to write this, nonetheless clearly believes and feels what he's writing. God didn't take uh, 
somebody out here who, who doesn't care about the things of God and just say, I'm going to make you write something that's totally against your nature. He didn't do that. He took men who believed what they were writing. Paul, Paul believed everything he was writing. Now, he didn't write it because he believed it. He, write, he wrote it because God inspired him to write it. But here, this inspired writer says, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. You know, if, if the thing that I'm looking at here, this, this book that we call the Bible, if it's worth more than gold, and yea, fine gold, and if everything in here uh, concerning everything that I deal with is always and in every situation right, and I hate the false ways, there ought to be a priority that I place upon the Word of God. The priority of the Word of God. Now, for something like the Word of God to have priority in my life, it's got to have some authority, right? <laughs> it's got to have some authority. And I, don't, I really don't want to get bogged down, if you will, in the authority of the Word of God. I guess that's not the right way to put it, is it, Brother Mackey? Because getting bogged down in the authority of the Word of God it's a better place to get bogged down in than, than in places I've gotten bogged down in in my life. So uh, it, it's okay, I guess, if we do. But I do want to remind us tonight that this, the Word of God is not like any other book. You know, it's an amazing book. I did a little research, and I'm not, uh, all these figures are not exact, but they're pretty close, and they're based on the little research that I did. They're, they're accurate. Um, did you know that there's 66 books in the Bible? They were written by more than 40 different writers, most of whom we know who they are. Some of them we don't, but most of whom we know who they are. The Bible is, that we have today was written in three languages in its original form. The Old Testament, primarily written in Hebrew, all of the New Testament written in Greek, there's a few passages in Daniel and the book of Ezra that were written in, a, in Aramaic, which was the common language of the day of Jesus, actually. But it was written in three different languages. It was written on three different continents. <laughs> you know that? They were written in Asia, of course, primarily. That's where, that's where the Holy Land is. That's where Israel is. It was primarily written in, in that land. But also, uh, some of the, at least we know for sure, some of, the, some of the passages in the book of Jeremiah were written in Egypt. That's down in Africa. And we know that Paul wrote some of his letters from prison in Rome. That's in Europe. Three different continents. And it was a diversity of writers. It was, you know, you had some, some high, highly educated scribes that wrote some of the Bible. You had some poor, uneducated farmers that wrote some. Amos said that's all he was. He was a herdsman. He, was a herd. he wasn't anything. He, he, wasn't, he hadn't been to seminary. He hadn't been... Maybe not even hardly educated, just enough to write. You know, I, I'm, I'm thankful that it doesn't take a, a DDM or a PhD to be able to get up here and preach the Word of God. As a matter of fact, sometimes those things are a hindrance. <laughs> you know, you gotta, somebody said one time, really, Brother Buddy said, he, he said, I've got a degree. I think it was Brother Buddy. He said, I've got a degree from the University of Alabama. I've mostly gotten over it through the years. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm thankful for the education I've got. I encourage you to get an education, but never let your education get in the way of the Word of God. You know, that's one of the reasons I, I believe the Lord's led me to preach on this. We've got so many here that are going into, either going into college for the first time or going back to college, or certainly many in high school, but even if you're not in one of those institutions of higher learning out there, you're going to face things in this world that are going to teach you things directly contrary to the Word of God. And the priority you place upon the Word of God, understanding its authority in your life will make a difference in whether you stay faithful or whether you fall into some kind of confusion and maybe even un ungodly living. This book that we call the Bible, written by kings, 
King David wrote some of the Psalms. Written by scribes. Written by those that were servants and slaves. Written by at least one murderer. At least one murderer. You know, the Apostle Paul, I, I was a prosecutor, as you know, for 20-something, nearly 25 years. I could have prosecuted the Apostle Paul for aiding and abetting in the stoning of Stephen. He was right there holding their coats, standing there with a view to help. I could, I'll, take that tri- I'll take that case to trial any day under the laws of our land, and I could convict him of that. Now, <clears throat> I'm not putting down these ri- fishermen, <laughs> fishermen that fish for a living that were called in one place, Brother Buddy, ignorant and unlearned men. You know, the term ignorant, we sometimes use it as a pejorative term, but it really just means you don't know. You're not educated. Not, not taught and not learned, you see. They said they can't, but did you know what their qualification was? <laughs> they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. You know, you know, what, my, you know what my qualification is to be your pastor? Said, well, you've got a degree from the University of Alabama, don't you? Yeah, you got a degree in Greek, and, and you took some courses in Hebrew, and you took some religious study courses, and you did that. You know what? That has nothing to do with my qualifications to stand here before you. I hope it helps me. I hope the courses I took, and at the time I took them, I didn't necessarily think I was going to be preaching, but I thought it might help me in my study of the Word of God. I hope some of those things help me, but some of those things hinder me. I told you, some of you already tonight, and I think I mentioned it here before, I took some religious studies courses thinking they would help me in my course on the introduction to the New Testament at the University of Alabama was taught by an atheist professor. (laughs) Go figure. Think about how much I learned from that. Actually, I learned some things. Uh, You know, I Take the position of eat the chicken, throw away the bones, you know. Uh, had, had a little, in, that, in that case, it was just a little bit of chicken. <laughs> There's a lot of bones in that, in that, in that course. But, but my point is, is that the reason I'm standing here today is not because I have a degree from the University of Alabama. I know many preachers that are much better than I am that never went to college. Some of them didn't finish high school. Beloved, they were more qualified, if anything, than I am to preach. If I preach to you at all tonight, it'll be because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because of the calling of God. See, God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. <laughs> Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? Think about it, Brother Buddy and I just talked about it before. The diversity of gifts we have in, just in the area we know about. Every, every kind of walk of life you can think about. And beloved, I believe that I, I see myself as the least of those. I'm so glad when some of these brethren show up they can take the pulpit. They might not have had the same education that some other preachers had, but praise God, they've been called by the same God. <laughs> see, that's a glorious thing. <laughs> that's a glorious thing. The Word of God, getting back to our thought tonight, this it was, it's an amazing book. It's an amazing compilation of, of, of scriptures. And you know, one of the things about this, this Bible that's amazing to me is I open it, I'm 53 years old, and I, I've been fairly serious about studying the Word of God since I was 15 or 14 or 15 or 16 years old. I've been a student of the Word. I hadn't always been as faithful as I should, but I've tried to stay in. I've tried to, you know, speaking in different capacities at church since I was 18 or 19 years old, you know, so I've focused on the Word of God. You know, I've been, so what's that? In 30 to 40 years I've been studying the Word of God, and I open it last night, <laughs> and I see something I've never seen before. Find something, some thought that's never occurred to me. It's, oh, wow, these scriptures go together. I see that now. <laughs> don't, don't, I don't, <laughs> I've never figured out everything in the Word of God. I never have. I hope I never do. I got, I got a secret suspicion I never will, Brother Glendon. But see, if I could, think about this. If I could figure out this book, if I could, oh, yeah, I got it now. You know, I'm glad that I can't figure it all out because that just means the writer, the master writer behind all these 40-some-odd 
individual tools, writing tools that, that he used. That just means he knows a lot more than I do. If I ever figure it all out, then that means he won't be any smarter than I am. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't, my, if, if, if the God I serve is no smarter than I am, I need to find me a different God. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I know my limitations. This word is amazing. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing. And this writer here uh, of, of this 119th Psalm in particular elevates it to the point where, uh, where he says, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. Now, beloved, I want to ask you tonight, do you esteem all God's word, every precept in the word of God concerning everything to be right? <clears throat> you know, if you do, that means that the Word of God is your priority. What's a priority? It's just when you prioritize things, you just put them in order as to what you think about them, you know, what you think is most important. Now, I, I've, I've gone through phases in my life where I thought different things were more important than others, you know. There was a time when I thought sports was probably right up at the top of the list, you know. I know people today that still put sports up there. There, there, are, there are people I know, and I'm not, if I, look, if I'm, if I'm hitting you with this, with this arrow I'm shooting out there, I don't mean to. I really don't know of anybody here that does this, but if you do, and I'm hitting you, it's not me, it's the Word of God, but you know, I know people that will go to every single University of Alabama football game and, and, and will miss church two or three times a month. I know people that promote, that put sports above church, sports above the Word of God. I, that's, there was a time when it was high on my list, but probably the worst thing, the, the, the most difficult thing. I, some people put hunting, okay, and recreation above the Word of God and what it says. <clears throat> I've always enjoyed those things, but I've never really had a struggle with those things superseding the word of God but I tell you what I have had a struggle with work work Sherry tell you work's work's been a problem for me in my life work's been an issue for me in my life because I I can remember when I first started practicing law I'd I'd work from eight o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night every day most Saturdays, and just about every Sunday afternoon. I didn't, I didn't miss church that morning, unless I just had to. <laughs> but, I, but work became a work. I put work above the precepts of the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about just missing church for, for work. And I understand that you sometimes get an ox in the ditch and have to get him out. I, that's, the Bible makes allowances for those kinds of situations. But I'll tell you what, it, what the Bible says to me as a husband. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He didn't say go down there to work and provide her money and she'll be all right. He said give yourself for that. There have been times I've neglected my family for work just because I was a workaholic. Okay, that was my, my struggle. That's been my struggle most of my life. I, I, I pray that the Lord has helped me with that, and I hope he has. I feel like maybe he has. But, beloved, prioritizing, priorities just mean what's the most important to you. So, this word of God that is inspired and inerrant, Jesus says the scripture cannot be broken. It's eternal. Psalm 119 and verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven, fixed, it's established forever. And by the way, it's been preserved. I'm not going to turn there because I get, if I do, if I go to Psalm 12, you turn to Psalm 12 and verses 6 and 7 sometime. If I go there, I'll stay there the rest of the night, and I really don't want to do that. But it says this, thy words, I am going to go there too. I'm sorry. I got to go there. I believe in the divine inspiration of the word of God, but I also believe in the divine preservation of the word of God. And I don't have time to go into all of that, but I will say this. In Psalm 12 and verse 6, it says, the words of the Lord 
are pure words. We know that. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now look, look at verse 7. Thou shalt keep them. What's he referring to? The words. The words here. The words on the page. The precepts. The commandments. Whatever you want to call them. The words. Thou shalt keep them. O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. See, I believe the Lord has preserved for us His Word, and I do believe that the King James Bible is His preserved Word in English. There's many reasons. I really, don't, I really, sometime I, I promise you, if the Lord will help me, if the Lord will lead me, I'll preach a message one, one night on the King James Version, I promise you. But, but do, do your own study. Look it up. Look it up as to... Compare, the, compare what, what was used in the 1600s to create this Bible versus the new stuff. And also look at what's left out. Look at what's left out. Let, let me just give you one example. You know, one of the foundational teachings, one of the foundational doctrines of our articles of faith here and of, of, of the articles of faith, of, of, uh, as far as I know, of every, at least I'm sure it's of every mainline Christian denomination is the Trinity, the teaching of the doctrine of the Trinity. That is that God is, a, is one God, but he is, he is manifest in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, beloved, if, uh, if, you, get, uh, if you turn in your Bible to 1 John chapter, um, chapter 5 and verse 7, you're going to read this. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Wow, that sounds a little bit like a Trinity, doesn't it? There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Beloved, that's the teaching of the Trinity right there. But now let me give you fair warning. If you've got a New International Version or some other of these versions, and you go to try to find 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, it's not in there. That's been left out of the new versions. That, the doctrine, the foundational teaching, the most clear teaching of the doctrine of the Trinity is missing from the new versions. Why is that? That's a rhetorical question. I'll let you answer that. <laughs> Why do you think it is? You think that was an accident? No, it's not an accident, beloved. Stick with the old King James. Stick with that, what those, those translators uh, did back in so many years ago but we'll we'll move on from that let me let me because what i want to preach to you about more than the authority of the word of god tonight is 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 the priority in our lives of the word of god and this concept is taught throughout the scriptures now now certainly in order for something to be a priority it ought to have authority and that's why we talked about that but the word of god should be that thing which is most important to us when in every situation of life that we face. Are you looking to change jobs? Go to the Word of God for some instruction. Are you looking for a spouse? Are you trying to figure out who you're supposed to? Go to the Word of God. It'll tell you what kind of virtuous woman you need to be looking for or what kind of godly man you need to be seeking. Are you facing trouble and trial and temptation? Go to the Word of God. Is that your priority? It ought to be our priority in every case. Are you trying to figure out which church to be a part of? <laughs> Go to the Word of God. Measure the teachings of that church by the teachings of the Word of God, not by the things the preacher says. I mean, I hope, I pray you enjoy my preaching. I do. I hope I don't get up here and the sound of my voice grates on your nerves like fingers on a chalkboard, <laughs> you know. That'd be, that'd be kind of detrimental to your learning, wouldn't it? I, I hope that you, I hope there's, there's some degree of, of eloquence that comes out of my mouth. Now, it's not from me being such an eloquent person, but I'm talking about the Lord loosening my tongue and allowing me to be able to preach to you the unsearchable riches of Christ in a way that is pleasing to your ears and you can understand it. But, beloved, my opinions don't matter. Turn with me back over to Deuteronomy chapter 13 as we deal with this idea of the priority of the Word of God. Listen to verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 13. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, 
and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto thee. <laughs> now let me stop you right there. Well, that's a pretty big deal. You would think if I come out here and say, I predict that a comet is going to hit Russia tomorrow, and, and, and the comet hits Russia tomorrow, you say, wow, <laughs> that guy is amazing. He's in tune with God. He must, he's got some secret knowledge here. We better listen to him. But now, now, now listen to what it says as you go on here. It says, And the sign or wonder come to pass, whereof he spoke unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Okay, wait a minute. There's a problem. If I come out here and say, Hey, a comet's going to hit Russia tomorrow, and by the way, we need to leave this church and become Muslims. Okay, that's the same situation here. We need to go after other gods. You know what he says about that? Now, now understand, this is, a, this is a prophet whose prophecy has come true. You'd think that's the guy you want to listen to, right? Look at verse 3. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet. Or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. Notice the situation here as I've already said. This prophet has come up, and what he's told them was going to happen did happen. And normally you'd think, boy, that's the guy you need to listen to. But see, there's a different measuring rod than just this idea of signs being brought to pass. And the measuring stick is the Word of God. Did he, no matter what he says, no matter how true it may be in some other area, if he tells you something that's contrary to the word of God, then you don't need to believe it. He said, you're a dreamer of dreams. You know, in one place, Brother Buddy and I were talking this afternoon. In one place, uh, the prophet says, if you've got a dream, tell the dream. He said, but if you're going to preach the word, preach it faithfully. <laughs> preach it faithfully. You can tell your dream. I can tell you some dreams. My goodness, I've been having dreams lately. I may be a prophet, Brother Mackey, I don't know. You know how many people have been led astray by dreams? <laughs> Instead of preaching dreams, I could get up here and tell you my dreams, and I could interpret them, and, and, and they might be some interesting dreams, and they might sound pretty good. I could get up here and tell you my opinions. I could go study philosophy, and I could come back, and I could give you a discourse on some kind of humanistic-type philosophy. And mix it in with my dream, you know? And y'all think, man, he's great. But the problem is, the problem with that is, is some other guy come along with a better dream and a better philosophy and a better way of speaking. And, and, and next thing you know, where in the world do I stand? Who do I follow? Guess what? It doesn't matter who the prophet is. It doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, We've got an entire religious system out there based upon an alleged angel appearing to a man many, many years ago. You know, that's, that's part of the problem with not having God's word as our priority. Do you understand that if an angel walked through those back doors right now, and came down to the front of the church, every person here would probably fall down at his feet and be tempted to worship him. You say, oh, not me. Are you better than Peter? Are you better than the apostle Peter? Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter's, Peter was up there when the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ as a man most of his life walking around in, a, in his human body. But there was a time when they went up on a mountain and Jesus was transfigured before him. That means he, was, he shone with the glory that he had with his Father when he was there in heaven and that he possesses now. 
I believe, up there in heaven. But guess what? Two other men appeared unto him, Moses and Elijah, and they were transfigured as well. They were appeared in their glorified bodies up in, front of, uh, in front of Peter up there. You know what Peter did? Peter, the great apostle, Peter, first of all, he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Amen. I agree. On the Mount of Transfiguration is a good place to be. If you ever can see God in your mind and in your heart, high and lifted up, that's a good place to be and a good place to stay in your spirit. But Peter went a little too far. He said, let's build three tabernacles. <laughs> let's build one to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then let's build one to Moses and one to Elijah. You know why Peter did that? It wasn't because he was some kind of pagan idol worshiper. It's because he was so impressed by the appearance of Moses and Elijah. And beloved, I submit to you that you and I would be just as impressed if we saw Moses or Elijah or an angel appear here. We would be, we would be tempted to want to build a tabernacle to them and worship them. But you know what Paul said about, there was a man, there was a man named Joseph Smith who apparently claimed to have seen an angel up in New York State back in the 1800s. Of course, Joseph Smith is the founder of Mormonism. <clears throat> he saw this angel and he came back with a whole new religion. And, I, and, and I'll be honest, I don't blame him. I get it. I'd have been tempted to do that too if he indeed saw this angel. Uh, maybe he did. I don't doubt he might have. But even if he did, you know what Paul said about that? I, I don't blame the man. I'd have been impressed because I'll tell you, y'all, nothing, there's nothing to be compared to what an angel, those, those shepherds that were keeping their flocks by night and the angels appeared to them. What, what is the common th refrain of anybody that's ever seen an angel? They all want to fall down and worship them. John the Baptist, John the Revelator wanted to fall down and worship an angel. Those, those shepherds were sore afraid. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. It would be tempting to listen to the angel. But here's what Paul said about it in Galatians. He said in verse 8, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. You know, what, you know what Paul's telling us here? He's not telling us that it's out of the question that an angel might appear to you. Uh, some angel or demon, an angel, you know, the devil can appear as an angel of light. It's not out of the question that that may happen. What happened to Joseph Smith may have happened. But he said, I don't care if they do. You don't go against the precepts and the teachings of this word. I've got something here for you that is much, much better. 2 Peter chapter 1, listen to this. <laughs> listen to this in chapter 1 and, uh, well, I can't, I can't start in verse 20. I've got to go back to verse 16. Peter here is, is establishing his credentials with those that he's writing to. He says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Remember me telling you about Peter going up into the mountain of transfiguration? He's about to talk about it right here. He's establishing his credentials before those that he's writing to. He says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You remember when Peter said, let's build three tabernacles. That's one of two times, I believe it is, that we read about in the scriptures when the voice of God spoke out of heaven while Jesus was here on earth. And it was to set Peter straight that this, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. You don't need to be making tabernacles to Moses or Elijah or you don't need to build up in your mind a tabernacle to any kind of preacher. You don't need to build up in your mind a, a worship of any kind of church. You need to be looking to what my word says he says you measure it by the measuring stick of the word of God that should be your priority and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount man that ought to be something you ought to if Peter say hey man I heard the voice of God speak I was in the presence of Jesus so what's he saying you ought to listen to what I have to say you ought to hear my opinions you ought to listen to my dreams no he said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Isn't that amazing? What could be more sure than seeing Jesus transfigured? 
the Word of God. See? It's more sure than that. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as, un, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. That's amazing to me. You know what he's telling us there? He's saying, look, I saw Jesus. I saw him in bodily form, and I saw him transfigured. And I heard the voice of God speak out of heaven. But I got something that's more sure than that. It's the Word of God. Because he was referring to the Old Testament at this point, but he later refers to, he refers to some of Paul's writings, that internal evidence that Paul's writings are also inspired. And he said, what I've got here, this a more sure word of prophecy, will take me through until the time when Jesus comes back. He said, you'll do well that you take heed because it's a light shining in a dark place. There's no darker place in this world. And you, you, you take heed to this more sure word of prophecy until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. You stay with the word of God. No matter if an angel comes down and preaches you something different. Doesn't matter if a preacher speaks with the voice of an angel. If he's preaching something contrary to the word of God. The word of God should be your priority. It will enlighten you in this world. It will take you to the point where you are able one day ultimately you'll be taken in the presence of God. And you'll be able to understand and hear it without any interference. Without any interference by the, by the worldly things that are around you, or the worldliness that's within you. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I don't care if an angel comes down and tells you something different. Your priority is the Word of God. No prophet takes priority over the Word of God. Now keep reading it with me and chapter 13 of Deuteronomy, and we'll, we'll kind of bring this to a close here in just a minute. He goes on to say in verse 5 that the prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death that tells you you need to, you need to forsake God. He says, God, he said, you remember, this is the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage. And then in verse 6, he says, if thy brother the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known thou, nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thine eye pity him, Neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. You know what he's saying here? Not only should no prophet take priority over the word of God, but no family should take priority over the word of God. It doesn't matter what your mama or your daddy or your brother or your sister, or your child, or even your wife or husband says about, Scripture said, look, forget about that stuff that's in the Word of God. Let's go after other gods. You know, primarily now, I, I realize mostly in the world, you don't have, in America, you don't have a lot of idols set up made of brass and iron and that sort of thing. But the idols of the worldliness that's out there, that's, that's what will take you away. Husband, wife, don't let your wife or husband take you away from the church. Don't let them say, oh, you don't have to go to church. You just get out here. It's, well, there's so much more out to life than what you see here. Don't, don't let them do that. No family takes priority over the Word of God. <clears throat> over in uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, I ran home to mama and said, what do you think about this? I ran over to daddy and said, daddy, tell me what you know. Immediately, 
I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. In other words, when God said go, I went. I didn't go and ask permission. I didn't, I didn't seek to make sure mama was okay with it or daddy was okay with it or, or even my husband or my wife was okay with it. I, I, know, I know preacher's family catch it. So I hate to even, but I, I want to just share this with you. I've shared it with some, most of you know it anyway. Uh, when, when we came to Zion, when, when, the, when the Lord was leading us here, leading me here, <laughs> My, my dear wife, you know this story, she didn't feel the same leading that I did. She didn't feel that this was the place for us at the time, back in 2011. And she had some really good reasons for questioning my judgment, let me just say. <laughs> I, I, had, I had pulled her all over this part of the country, and I, I have no, uh, it's no wonder she couldn't, she didn't trust where I was coming from. I guess that's not really what it was, but she just, it was all, we were all in an uproar and a turmoil in my family at that point. And I kept saying, Lord, just if it's your will, if this is where you want me, make her see it too. You know, I was, I'd, I'd had trouble, as some of you know, in seeking signs in the past. And I was still looking for a sign, you know. I knew, I felt the Lord lead me. I knew she gave me the best advice that a, that, that a wife could ever give her husband especially a preacher's wife, buddy. She said, look, I don't feel it, but you're the leader. Lead us. Lead us. And, and that sobered me up pretty good, too. And I began to see that I needed to follow the Lord no matter what. And even when I joined, she still didn't feel it. But praise God, it wasn't long before she joined. <laughs> and by the time I baptized her, she looked me in the eye and she said, I prayed that God would make me feel the same way about this place that, uh, that you feel. And he has done that. So I'm, I want you to understand, this dear lady is all on board here. But she wasn't at first, but it didn't matter. It needed to, I needed to follow what the Lord was leading me to do. And praise God, he blessed that to the point where my whole family is here now praise the Lord for that you see but it didn't matter whether they were coming it didn't matter whether even my wife was coming at that point the Lord was leading me and I needed to do what the Lord wanted me to do and beloved that's what he's saying here it doesn't matter what family says it doesn't matter what mama or daddy says or even husband or wife says or children say. It doesn't matter that the children's program isn't as good here at Zion as it is at some other church out there. It doesn't matter that uh, they don't have a basketball team here at Zion and they do at some other place. It doesn't matter what the facilities are like. It doesn't matter what, is, uh, uh, what's under, what, what we have here or what we don't have here. What matters is what does thus saith the Word of God. Is this the place? Well, the Lord has put his blessing. Is this the place? Is this place following what the word of God is saying? No family takes priority. Continuing as we bring this to a close in chapter 13 of Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Verse 12. If thou shalt hear say in one of thy cities, which the Lord thy God hath given thee to dwell there, saying, certain men, the children of Belial are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which ye have not known. And then you count up the numbers and see what the majority is doing, what most of the people want, and go that route. Is that what it says? <laughs> you know, I read, about a, I read about a church or a I don't know if I should call it a church. I read about a, a group one time that had decided they wanted to build a church in a certain community. And they sent out questionnaires throughout the community, door to door, asking, what do you want in a church? And if I remember right, it had like multiple choice, you know. Do you want this, this? Do you want A, B, C, and D? Or D, or do you want... A and B, C and D, you know, they, they had a, a whole questionnaire of what you are looking for in a church. Beloved, my question is not what are you looking for in a church. What is God looking for in a church? What is thus saith the word of God about the church? 
I realized we could change a lot of things probably here at this church uh, and, and, and modify some of our doctrinal positions, and we might, we probably could get in a bunch of other people to come start coming to this church. Now, now let me just say this. We ought to be interested in those living around us or those we come in contact with in sharing with them the great truths of this, of this word and inviting them to come to our, to our church and to see, you know, that's the best evangelism too we got is say, come and see. That, that, the woman at the well, <laughs> she, she's probably the greatest evangelist I've read of. She said, come see a man. That, that's, our, that's all I ask. Come see a man. Don't come see me. Don't come see Brother Buddy or Brother John Morgan. I love the fellowship, but don't really come for that. Come see a man. The Lord Jesus Christ that has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. The question is not what does a majority want. Because see, no people, no peer group should take priority over the Word of God. You young folks, you young folks that are going to college, going to school, it doesn't have to be college. Getting out in social settings. Oh my, today... There's so many things, that, no, so many people that would put pressure on you. The peer pressures of this day are greater, I believe, than they were when I was coming up. Don't let them influence you because here's what the Bible says about this. These folks have gone out. They've withdrawn to another God. They're serving other gods. What should you do about it? Verse 14, then shalt thou inquire and make search and ask diligently. And behold, if it be the truth and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought among you, thou shalt surely smite the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly and all there is therein and the cattle and so forth. And goes on to talk about burning the spoil and that sort of thing. Don't take any of that into your bosom. Now, before you go away from here saying, Brother Chris said, go out and kill everybody that don't believe the way we do. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about here today. That was under the law that had to do with those children of Israel that were moving into the land of Canaan. But I'll tell you this, you better slay any idolatry in your life or around you in a figurative sense. If you have to cut out your associations with the closest friends you, you think you have in this life, if you have to remove yourself from the situations where the peers of your profession are doing things that shouldn't be, they shouldn't be doing and are leading you in directions you shouldn't be led. You need to cut that off. You need to take out your spiritual sword and slay it. If it means cutting off your hand or plucking out your eye in a spiritual sense, quit, quit dabbling in those things. <laughs> See, the Word of God should be our priority. We bring this to a close by looking over in Romans, the 12th chapter. You know this probably by heart. He says, I beseech you, in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What's, what happens with a sacrifice? When a sacrifice is made, something is slain. Something's killed, isn't it? There's some things in your life. There's some things around you. There may be some things in your home or at your work that you need to slay. You need to put them to death. You need to get rid of them from your life. He said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove or test or prove out what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice how much the mind is involved in this. Your mind needs to be renewed. How do you renew your mind? You know, every time I pick up the Word of God, I feel renewed in my mind. I, I, I can go for a few days, and I've done this occasionally, where I've gone for a few days, and I've maybe listened to sermons, and I've maybe sung a few songs or heard some singing, but I didn't pick up the Word of God. I did this not too long ago, and I picked up the Word of God. I went to the Psalms, and I started reading, and man... My mind felt renewed and refreshed within moments of doing that. But the idea here is that you're constantly digging into something that's going to help your mind 
build up, uh, help build up your spiritual mind. And that's the Word of God. Is the Word of God the priority in our lives? It's not the priority in our society. It's not even the priority in our schools, I'm sorry to say. It's not the priority in some of our churches, I'm afraid. But is the Word of God the priority in your life and in our lives and in our lives as a church? You know, one of the ways the Word of God needs to be a priority is that whatever it says, no matter what we think, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. I've shared this before, but I had a time when I was a young lawyer and a lady came to me and said, I want to get a divorce because I know the Lord has led this new man into my life. I know he has. Now, now I, I was not as spiritually mature then. I, don't, I know I didn't say what I should have said to her. I, wasn't, I didn't promote that or condone it. And as I recall, uh, didn't represent her. But, but if she came to me today, I'd say, ma'am, have you tested that by the word of God? God has led a man into my life so that I can divorce my husband and, 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 and get this new man. Have you read Exodus chapter 20? <laughs> Thou shalt not commit adultery unless I lead a new man into your life. <laughs> no, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. <clears throat> does, does the word of God... You know, oftentimes we have... People, I get into discussions with people that don't believe the doctrines of grace like I do. You know, you know what the best conversion tool that I have for for the for people getting people to understand the gospel of the grace of God is to go study the Word and prove me wrong. I can't tell you how many people through the years have said, "You know what? I can't." Is the Word of God your priority? Are you going, I, I, Brother Mike Ivy? I leave you with this. Brother Mike Ivy told me this. He grew up primitive Baptist. Brother Mike went through a period where he was having a, a crisis of, I don't know if that's the right word, but he was, he was questioning what he, what he believed and wanting to make sure that, that it lined up with the Word of God. And he said, Brother Chris, I took the Word of God and I decided that I was going to follow the truth no matter where it took me, even if it led me away from the primitive Baptist. You know, that's a good approach to, to, to your prioritizing the Word of God? Are you willing to take the truth of God's Word no matter where it leads you? Beloved, I'm willing to do that. I go ahead and let you in on a little secret. The truth of God's Word led me here. <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm stuck over here, but I'm, I'm still I'm willing. If the Word of God says, uh, says that this is the direction that I should go, then, beloved, I'm willing to go that direction no matter where it is and no matter what it hurts. Praise God. Psalm 119 and verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Did you know that's the best part of this whole message? To prioritize the word of God doesn't hurt you at all. In fact, it helps you. Because the word of God is going to always lead you in the right way. It's going to lead you to the right place. It's going to lead you to the right person. It's going to lead you to the right belief. And it's going to help you get through every struggle in this world. And believe you me, there's struggles in this world. But we need something to light our path. This is it right here. The Word of God. Is it our priority? May the Lord bless His Word. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.